0: We are continuing our series, Good News. And I want to show you a picture from a theme park in America. This was a particular ride called Goliath. My kids went on this ride and they said, Dad, it was unbelievable. You should do it. And I thought, I wasn't going to let a Goliath conquer me. So I climbed the stairs twice because we went the wrong way. And then I sat in this tiny little cockpit And I somehow, against all the odds, did the belt up. They were waiting for me. And then the ride began and we got to the very top pinnacle of this ride and you can hear that sound that goes clicker, 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 and then all of a sudden it goes dead quiet and just the momentum carries you over. Sick minds, these people who come up with these things. And finally, it went down the longest drop, apparently, in North America, which probably means in the world. And I think I was a little bit, ah! In fact, I was screaming on purpose to mask my real screaming. I was with my kids, I didn't want them to think their dad was worried. So we've got a short video clip of this ride, it's only 20 seconds or so, just so you can hear the clicker, clacker, clicker, clacker. (laughs) sick. You know, I'll be honest, I think I've got goosebumps on my back right now. Who here would trust a machine like that? Who here else? Raise your hand if you would strap yourself in. Wow. This is a gutless congregation. (laughs) Well, let's just affirm this because there's a lot of people who never put their hand up at all. It's, it's, it's kind of a no vote sort of a policy. Raise your hand if you wouldn't trust it and you wouldn't go on it. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty definitive. <laughs> it was really scary. In fact, it was so hard to get my belt on. I said, guys, listen, I'm locked in here. Can I go around again? They looked at me and said, yeah, okay. I went around twice. It was just as scary. I want to talk about new life today. And really, a sub-theme of of new life is trusting God. Trusting God. The passage we've been looking at is Colossians 3.1. Since you have been raised to new life, can you say new life, please? Can you say it with some excitement and passion and running on me again? Yeah, new life smells good. New life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. New life, I love the sound of new life, don't you? But can we really trust this new life? Because sometimes it doesn't feel so new, would you agree? Sometimes it doesn't seem so new. I see I believe that you can kind of go on autopilot and just go through the motions of new life without actually really believing it and entering into it. It's actually possible. It's really possible. We can wear the t-shirt that says new life but really it hasn't gone in to those places where we're still struggling to trust. We're still struggling to trust. I want to share some good news today for you, the good news of the Gospel that Jesus can be trusted, that we can trust Him with those things that we're unsure about, that we can trust Him with the Goliaths in our life, that we can strap ourselves in to Him and go on that ride and we don't really know what's going to happen. There are lots of situations and circumstances and fears and worries that we must overcome every day, let alone those major issues those big issues that we battle with, that we face. Today, my hope is that you will afresh enter into the new life of Christ, that you will find new life in Him and Him alone in every circumstance. Now, this particular phrase, raised up to new life, this particular phrase is a a very important word that I just want to give a minute to just explain. Raised to new life. Raised to new life. Raised up. Paul is expressing something unique. He only mentions this particular phrase and word three times in the New Testament. And this is one of them in Colossians 3.1. It means to to be roused from death in the company of. Or to to be revived with the resemblance of. So what does that mean when when Paul says raised up to new life, raised up with Christ? It means that we have been raised up with Jesus, like really with Him. It's this idea of union. It's this idea of, of together. It's this idea of being with Him, like really, really with Him, as in, in Him. And it's this idea that we resemble Christ. We're raised up with Him. In other words, we really resemble Him. There's, there's this sense that we're in Christ. Our life is actually hidden in Christ. Like, actually. Could you imagine someone like Jim, I tend to pick on Jim a bit, imagine I wanted to resemble him, imagine me trying to fit inside his body, I reckon we could stretch him a bit, but I don't think I could hide in Jim, let's be honest. I reckon Jim could maybe hide in me, maybe. But when it, the Scripture here talks about raised up to new life, where we're actually... We're actually with Jesus, in Jesus, unified with Christ, with Him, as close beyond what we can even comprehend or think. You see, with Christ or into Christ, He is now our company. We are with Him. Everything changes. I just want to give you some practical illustrations about what I'm trying to express. On a few occasions when I used to work for the government, I got to travel with the minister. I got afforded all sorts of nice things and it had nothing to do with me. I got treated nicely, I got looked after nicely, most of the time, I I got taken care of nicely, I got all this honour and and, and recognition, it had nothing to do with me. It was the one I was travelling with. And that did something to me. I really cared about what this minister cared about. I cared about what they were there to to do. I kind of took some ownership of what they were doing. Do you kind of see the sort of relationship there? There's kind of this unified, this unification, this togetherness, where it was nothing about me, but I kind of got involved with what this minister was doing. Another example, perhaps, is my brother has a pool. And so, on really hot days, sometimes it's just nice to go around there and jump in the water. My kids jump in there, they play in there, they splash all the water out. My brother's there, has got his little abacus and he's, you know, working out how much money the water's going to cost him. You know, we just go there for free. We just rock in. We do bombs, splashes. Yet, we also look after it too. We're careful how we get in and how we get out. We're we're careful not to wreck the side and and not to be too rough and cause any damage. You see, there's there's a sense of ownership that we kind of take in this swimming pool. We're not trashing it and we're not misusing it. We're looking after it. We're enjoying it. If we see something wrong, we we try and fix it up and sort it out. There's this kind of unity of of, of this privilege of having a pool. There's this kind of shared ownership aspect. We've raised up from death death with Christ and He has called us into this shared ownership, this this unification of us with Him. That's a huge concept to express, in really only three words. Let me show you, uh, sorry, in just just a moment I'll show you the other three scriptures. How how would I say it then? I would say we've been raised from death in Christ and with Christ Raised up to new life, sharing, together, participating. We've been raised up to a new life, sharing with Christ, participating with Christ, together with Christ. And the new life, because it is new, it's nothing like the old. There should be an obvious distinction between the old life and the new life. Uh, I have an old Commodore, I I really love it, It's, it's my car, it's old. The new Commodores look completely different. The engine is different, the transmission is different, the paint job is different. Everything is different about it. There should be an obvious thing between a new Commodore and an old Commodore. There should be a distinction between the new life and the old life. We've been invited into the new life, that's good news for us. But I reckon that's a a decision that we make that opens up this new life but it's a decision that we need to keep making every day, that we walk in this new life, that we participate with Christ in the new life that He has invited us into. It's a reality of truth that we get to realize as we walk in the new life, as we take steps in this new life that's been given by Christ. We wait and fix our eyes on the realities of heaven. That's part of what it means to live new life. The realities of heaven. We focus on those things. We give focus to the realities of heaven. And this is part of what it means to walk in new life. The Christianese phrase is this, new life of believers, under grace, as participation in both the present, soteriological and eschatological, heavenly reality of Christ. I, I, I crafted that, I was pretty proud of myself. Yeah. The bottom line is, it's new life in Christ. That's, that's the bottom line, new life in Him. New life in Him, now and at that time, when we're in eternity, new life in Him, raised up with Him. Paul uses this phrase in Ephesians chapter 2, 6-7. to For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Can you see this emphasis on this unity, this unified, this togetherness, this shared participation, this joining... It's it's very strong. Paul was really trying to make a point here. And again, it comes up in Colossians 2. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised, and with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God, who raised Christ from the dead. Paul is at it. He is affirming that sin has been paid for, dealt with, done. Our price... Was paid for by by christ and with christ we've been raised by his mighty power new life heavenly reality seated with jesus true life that makes a lot of sense yes sometimes it can seem so far away it can seem so far away it can seem hard it can seem impossible I think as Christians, it's easier for us to subscribe to the bigger ticket items. Put your hand up here if you're saved. All right, we'll have a prayer line afterwards. laws. we'll ask them to come. John Foley, we'll ask and invite. Put your hands up really high if you're saved. You know where you're going at the end of life. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a bit of improvement. We can tick that one, can't we? They're those. That's easy. It seems much harder to tick new life with Christ now and following Him. That's a harder box to tick, would you agree? We can tick the, the boxes that are perhaps a little bit bit easier. They're, they're, they're kind of done. But to follow Christ, to follow Him, to, to set our sights on heavenly realities, when there's all these earthly things to focus on, that's a much harder box to tick. It seems to be seems to be, Paul is trying hard to emphasize that trust is needed. Trust in God's mighty power. Do we trust Him with our worries? Do we trust Him with overcoming those past mistakes and hurts and habits and concerns? Very real issues, real issues. Do we trust God and His mighty power with those things? Do we trust Him? See, I think trust here is a key to this new life, to live and enter into the fullness of new life. Trusting in God and His mighty power to do something. I think trust is what's needed. It's hard in our own strength. So why do we struggle with trust? Well, I think first of all, we allow our past to define us way too often. We allow our past experiences and what's happened before, the feelings that we had when that happened before, we allow that to define something that hasn't even happened yet. We shut a door in the future because of something that occurred in the past. Does anyone here know what I'm talking about? Can you relate to that? I think sometimes we don't trust because we allow our past to define our future. I think sometimes we struggle to trust because we really of grappling with the idea of Lord Jesus, Jesus our master. I really love being my own master. And it's actually really hard to call someone else master, like really mean it and follow Jesus. I think we grapple with the idea that that Jesus is our Lord and we need to follow Him. We need to not rely on ourselves, but we need to rely on Him. I love to rely on myself. One of the issues with trust is relying on, on God. We fear the future. We fear that following Jesus is really going to mean some new ground, some discomfort, some things which might be a bit hard. Does anyone here ever worry when I approach you or call you? you think, "Oh no. What does he want? <laughs> oh no. Oh no, just just rock up on Sunday, Ben. Don't speak to me, please. There is a fear of what is asked of us to follow Christ, to enter into this new life. I mean, Jesus lived a life so radical, and he's called us to follow him in that radical life. Does that scare anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Invite me to lunch, Judith. We'll have a chat. You know, some people fear going on a missions trip. Mosquitoes, humidity, rice. Mosquitoes, humidity, rice. Mosquitoes, humidity, rice. Nah, that's someone else to do. Fearful. Fearful of what God may ask of you. Fearful of of the opportunities that lay before you. Fearful of, no, I'm I'm not ready for that. I don't want to engage in that. That's not my thing. I'm just going to stand back. I think we struggle to trust Him. The fourth thing, maybe sometimes we just don't feel worthy we don't feel like we're qualified we don't feel like we have attained whatever it is that we need to attain so that we can really put our hand up with confidence and say pick me Lord that's really how we want to be isn't it? Jesus is the captain of the team and I like to think you know, the Australian cricket captain is Christ and, and I've been practicing my, my batting and my bowling and I've really got it really happening and I want to put my hands, coach, cap pick me I'm, I'm for you, I'm ready to go. That's how we want to live, isn't it? I mean, especially me, cricket, that would be awesome. But I'm not talking about cricket, I'm talking about the way we live our life and the way we follow after Him. We want to have ourselves fully prepared, ready to go, so that we can put our hand up and say, Okay, God, I'm ready now, pick me. Pick me, pick me, Lord, I'm ready, I've done it. Sometimes we just don't feel worthy, we haven't had the training, we haven't had the support, we haven't had something. I reckon these things is what causes us to struggle to trust God. I want to show you today that Jesus has the answers for all of those issues. Let's turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11. Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11. I want to say to you that the preaching of the gospel drew people in the day of Jesus and it continues to draw people today. Hopefully this is a story which you go, oh yeah, 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 I can relate to this. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed, that is Jesus, two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. "'And let down your nets to catch some fish.' "'Master,' Simon replied. "'We worked hard all last night. "'We didn't catch a thing. "'But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again.' "'And this time their nets were so full of fish, "'they began to tear. "'A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, "'and soon both boats were filled.' And uh, with fish, and were on the verge of sinking. That is a lot of butterfish. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "'Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you.' For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed." Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, if you've ever been fishing before, that is the story you want to hear. Because most of the time I went fishing, you didn't catch much. This is the story that you want to have to bring home. This is the story that you want to share about what happened. This is a story that addresses, I believe, the issue of trust. The first thing that it addresses is that we must not choose our inadequacies or our experience. Let me explain. Jesus was teaching to people and the fishermen were mending their nets. Their fishing was done. Jesus turns around in front of all the people to the expert fishermen and says... Hey, get back out there. Now, everyone would have known they caught nothing. Everyone would have known that they're the experts, and now Jesus is telling them to get back out there? These are experienced fishermen. If they say there's no fish out there, who are you going to believe? Thank you. You just saved us 10 minutes on my message. Who are you going to believe? I mean, can you imagine Peter as he's being told this, and the people are watching and listening and taking it in, and going, "What's Peter going to do? He's the expert. He, he he said there's no fish. He said they tried. Is he going to go out there on the word of a rabbi? Is he going to head out there? This rabbi is a carpet, isn't he? How to fish? You see, Peter had to get over two things, he had to get over his experience of not catching anything and he had to get over his sense of inadequacy because he was supposed to be the expert. So, either he did something wrong and was in the wrong spot, or maybe Jesus had done something else, something new. But I don't think we focus on the new thing enough, I think we focus on ourselves and go, yeah, I've done something wrong, I'm, I'm not, you know, I haven't quite got it right. Do we choose new life in those moments? We must allow the word of God to be louder in our hearts and minds than we do our own words. You know, from me. Occasionally from you, but mostly from me. Would you agree? We must allow God's word to be the loudest word. And Peter did in the end. We must not think our sinners too much. We must not think our sin. Peter. I believe Peter followed his feet, but didn't really follow it in his heart. He said, okay, Lord, I guess if you're saying so, we might as well go out there and do it. I'm not going to, you know, stand up in front of a rabbi with all these people. Let's go out there and I reckon we're going to find that there's no fish. So Peter heads out there. Of course, he finds the opposite. And so this weightiness of his heart as he returns to Jesus said, Jesus, I'm such a sinner. I didn't believe and you still did it. I didn't really take you seriously, but you still came through. I didn't, I didn't really anticipate this, and I wasn't ready for it, and everything in my head said there's no chance, yet somehow I, I just didn't believe you, I didn't trust you. And so he feels the weight of this sin. You know those moments when you didn't trust God, but God still came through? You know those moments where you struggled to believe or you struggled to trust the Word of God, but you know you didn't? Sometimes the weight of that sin can hold us back from trusting Him again. We, we, we have to not think our sin is too much for Him. We, we have to not allow sin To be the main thing, the restriction, the thing that separates us, because that's what Jesus came to resolve. Jesus resolved the sin issue forever, forever. And what does Peter say? Peter says, please go Lord, I'm I'm so bad, you can't use me, I've got nothing, look what just happened. And Jesus does the exact opposite. We must not fear to follow Jesus. Jesus says, don't be afraid, Sometimes it's a bit scary following Christ. Some people I know who spoke to people to invite them to Franklin Graham, it was a bit scary. It was a bit hard, it was a bit awkward. You want to come to Franklin Graham? It's a bit awkward, it's a bit hard to follow Christ. It's a bit hard to follow Christ when you know you should be doing this, but maybe, you know, you're stuck doing that. It's hard to follow Christ. It's fearful. What will people think? What will people think of me? We must not allow fear to drive us. One of Satan's greatest weapons is fear. Is fear. We are people of the new life. We are people of the resurrected Christ. We are people who are beyond fear. Jesus conquered fear as He went to the cross As he died and was buried and he rose again, fear has been conquered. Fear is nothing but an illusion which strikes at our heart to stop us from trusting God. Do you trust God today? We must not fear to follow Jesus. Finally, we must not let our results qualify us. You see, Peter was there and he caught nothing, but Jesus was still interested in him. Some of us think, oh, well, you know, I've got to get some results first before God can use me. I've got to get my life sorted out first before God can use me. I've I've got to have, you know, the things achieved. Like, I want to be a professionally presented fisherman with a bucket load of fish, then Jesus will go, Peter, get out there and catch some more. That didn't bother Jesus at all. How often do we think that we don't really have the results we should have, therefore we're disqualified? I think we think it more than maybe even what we would allow ourselves to think. We mustn't let our results qualify us. It's Jesus who qualifies us. It's Jesus who said, Peter, get out there and fish. Just go a bit deeper. You see the trust factor coming in? Don't don't go back where you were. Just just go out deeper. Just go out a bit deeper. A bit where it's a bit riskier. Where the water's a bit rougher, maybe. where Where the water has potential for greater chaos. Go out a bit deeper. But trust me, Trust me, trust me. We mustn't allow our results to qualify us, because Jesus asked Peter to go anyway. Trust is everything. They left everything and followed Jesus. Do you realize that everything means everything? It actually means everything. They left everything. They left their boats, they left their nets, they left it and they went and followed Christ. Trusting him and trusting his word. I want to close with an illustration. I want to close with the idea of a balancing beam. Is that okay? This chair is going to be our balancing beam. And Bronny is going to be our contestant. Everyone give Bronny a hand. You might have seen this illustration, it's a classic illustration. Jesus invites us to new life. Has anybody ever seen the Olympics gymnastics? Has anybody ever seen that terrible balancing beam? That is torture. In in, a hundred years' time, they're going to look back and go, that was just torture, that's ridiculous, why would they even do that? So I want you to imagine that this is a balancing beam, okay? And, And Christ invites us to new life, He invites us to the balancing beam. Now, in the Olympics, there's no one there. There's no one there, is there? Sometimes there's people nearby in case they fall and get hurt. But there's no one there. It's just the contestant and the balancing beam and a few judges and a couple of billion people watching. That's it. And so they get up to the balancing beam. Round of applause. And now they're expected to do their routine on the balancing beam. And the judges are there marking. That was good. That was real life, live. <laughs> so, so what happens is, as we take some steps, we realize that it's actually like a little bit dangerous. And so here's what happens. Sometimes we end up just staying still because it's safer that way. Can you imagine being at the Olympics, paying your money to watch a contestant get up on the balancing beam and go, this is actually really thin, <laughs> I'm just going to stay here and just wait for my time to be done. The judges are there going, waiting, the crowd is waiting, everyone is waiting for something to happen for some sort of movement. Yet when we don't trust in God, this is what happens to us. We end up just being stuck. We end up going nowhere. We're on the balancing beam. Everyone can see it. We know it. You know it. The judges know it. And we're stuck because it's safe. And the truth is, most Christians live their life this way. This is not the new life. This is not raised up. To new life with Christ. Christ never did this in His life. His example of life here on earth was never like this. And see, what happens is we fail to forget that there's this hand. There's this hand there, ready to hold. We we forget that, and then as we hold the hand, we can walk pretty freely. In fact, all the wobbles are gone. We're just going to spin around and don't actually fall, otherwise my illustration fails. And, and we're now moving, and we're and we're moving with confidence. And and even though something seems really hard, we're still confident. And you can hold the hand as tight as you want. In fact, if you want to have two hands, you can you can hold it. hands. I feel like whose line is it anyway? For a minute, there we have two hands. You can hold on to as many hands as you need, but the fact is God's hand is there. His mighty power is there. His mighty power is ready to help you walk that line and walk it well and walk it faithfully. But unless you grab the hand, it's going to be too scary and you'll be paralyzed and you'll just end up going nowhere. That's not the new life. The new life is the mighty power of God holding onto his hand and walking the line that he's called each of you to walk. In fact, can I suggest that the line to walk is actually up here? Bronnie, can you stand up there? No, no, relax, relax. It's okay. (laughs) Health and safety. But that's that's the line, really. This is just an illustration. Ten years ago, Bron would have been straight up there. (laughs) And you know what? We've each got our weaknesses. I don't know if you know, but Bron doesn't have the best sight. Yet she still climbed this chair, still willing to hold my hand, still willing to be led and to follow, even though sight is not a strong thing for her. You know, God knows where you're weak. God knows where you struggle. God knows where it's hard for you. Yet He still invites you to take His hand and experience His mighty power so you can walk that line, walk that new life. Let's pray.